Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, So whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well... What better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we're talking about why you need to create a budget. So Joel, today we're going to talk about budgets. We're going to be, we're going to talk about how you and I have slightly different approaches to to budgeting. Slightly different or very different? I'm not sure. We yeah, haven't. we'll we'll find out. I think I think we do have pretty different takes on budgets, and so I think it's going to be really interesting getting into it, and yeah. hopefully a lot of takeaway for people who are frightened of budgets and, or you know really want to do a budget. I think. This podcast is going to kind of help people sort through those issues. Yeah, I feel like that's one of the good things we've got going for us. We like similar things, but we're very different dudes. We have a lot of same end goals in mind, I think. Yes. But yeah. our uh, means of getting there often differs oh, greatly. Yeah. Very different, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I think it's awesome. I'm kind of more go with your go with your gut, and uh, you're definitely more planned out. Let's put yeah, everything. Yeah, I'm, the, I'm the numbers guy. You're like Excel spreadsheet to the max. Empirical data. Give it to me. That's right. Uh, and as always on the Poor Not Poor podcast, we crack a beer every time. And today, Matt, you got uh, you picked up the beer today. Yeah, man. And what are we drinking? This is Tweak, uh, a stout with coffee. It's aged in bourbon barrels. I had this a few years ago. Oh, you were actually over at our house and I gave you a sip, right? I saved some for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, yeah. When, you, that's when you first had it. So my brother-in-law got this for me for one Christmas. He got me a, a six-pack of a bunch of different beers that we don't get here in Georgia. With this being a higher uh, ABV, this is a 16% beer. So Yeah, we get every beers here, but we don't get the big-time stouts that they make because their big-time oh, yeah. stouts could go up to 18%. And yeah. so this one's at 16 and in Georgia, the cap on ABV is 14 so we don't get yeah. these big stouts here. But this is, yeah, it's fantastic. Excited to have this again. It's been... It's been a while since since I've had this one. So Matt's pouring the beer right now. At the end of the podcast, as always, we'll give you kind of our tasting notes, what we think about the beer. And this is, if I remember correctly, one of my favorite stouts of all time. I'm pretty pumped to be having it again. We'll give you our tasting notes in just a little bit. Uh, I did make it out to the Avery Brewing Company, one of them, uh, I guess about a year and a half ago. It was absolutely beautiful. The well, beers I were fantastic. They are. They're in Colorado. Uh, outside of Boulder? Obviously in Colorado. Just outside of Boulder, I think. And oh my goodness, 
Their facility is amazing. They make some amazing sours. Oh, so by the way, Matt, Avery just last month sold 30% of their brewery. And this is a hot topic in craft beer. We're both into craft beer in a huge way. But breweries are selling out. It seems like almost every other week you hear a report of a brewery selling part of their stake or their whole brewery to a big conglomerate. And Avery just sold 30% to a Spanish company. How do you feel about craft breweries that are selling parts or their whole business to other companies? And especially like, I guess the big one was Wicked Weed selling to Budweiser. That that kind of right. stuff scare, yeah, scares the craft beer nerds. That one's kind of big. I mean, I don't know, man. My question is, is the beer going to taste different? Yeah. <laughs> It is? You no, well, it no, no, no. I'm not saying oh, it is. Okay. I'm saying that's a big question. Because <laughs> if so, then yes, then I, I have a problem with that. Right. You know, these these are companies where they've been working hard over years and sometimes decades to, to make something fantastic. And as the owners, my natural tendency is to think that, oh, if you own it, this is something you've worked for and something you built. And if you want to sell a portion of it, and especially, I mean, you said they only sold 30%. Right. I mean, they're obviously maintaining control over the company and... I think there's a big difference in the way that a company sells and especially in craft beer. And we'll get to the topic at hand budgets in just a second. I think it in craft beer, uh, the way you sell makes such a big difference because if it's 30% to a Spanish company and kind of keeping a similar structure and same brewers in place, all that stuff, keeping the same mindset and company culture. Uh, for instance, like I think when Heineken bought Lagunitas, they, kind of wanted the everyone to kind of remain in place and you know status quo to continue yeah, for like a change of management change in capital right yeah it's under a new name but but with something like w- wicked weed sells 100 percent to budweiser that people start to wonder okay well you also you kind of sold to the people that they want to stamp out craft beer you know and, right and so yeah it, I've, I've seen those articles yeah so it's i think it's that kind yeah. of thing um it and I don't think we know what the overall effect is going to be, but it's just interesting that a lot more of those are, things are happening in the craft beer world. And if you're super into craft beer, you do care if your brewery sells a steak. If your local brewery right down the street from you sells a 30% steak or 100% sells out to another company, it could affect the quality. And and that um, would absolutely be a bummer, right? Yeah. yeah. But fortunately for us, I guess there's... And just how it affects the industry as a whole, I guess, as well. It's something... It's hard for me sometimes to think beyond the immediate what does this do to the beer? Right. <laughs> and if it's fine, then maybe it's going to be okay. But I remember reading some on that and just how it affects the the craft beer industry as a whole and what some of the big brewers are trying to do. So, well, a lot of it comes down to tap space and shelf space. Yeah. And if you've got the big money, yeah, you can, distributors. you can buy shelf space and tap space and right. we don't have to get into all the nuances, but it, it does that kind of stuff. It affects that stuff and the bottom line for everybody involved. Yeah. So cheers. <laughs> Tweak. Cheers, Let's drink. Oh, it smells so good. All right, we'll get to tasting notes later on, but suffice it to say at this point, yeah, that's real good. This is fantastic. That warms you up like you're drinking bourbon, too. It's just perfectly balanced. Yeah, we'll talk more about this later. Yeah. All right, Matt, moving on to the topic at hand today, budgets. And for a lot of people, that's a really scary word. So let's kind of define it and talk about why maybe it's not as frightening as it initially sounds. Yeah, man. Absolutely. So to me, a budget is just us deciding like where we're going to spend the money before you actually spend it, right? It's not some sort of list of rules that you have to follow or abide by or you swear to. <laughs> it's just having a plan. That's the easiest way to describe it. It's saying that this is how much income I'm going to have for the month. It's listing out your expenses. It's deciding where you're going to spend that money and then just sticking to it. It's just, I mean, literally it's just a plan you, and you get to decide that plan, right? It's not like somebody else is going to say, Oh no, you must do it this way. Well, certainly there's tactics and ways and approaches to creating a budget, but when it comes to the actual amounts within the budget and your in, in your different categories, you're going to put your dollars on the things that you value. And that's what, that's what makes it yours yeah. as well. So what would you say to someone that thinks that a budget is limiting? No, a budget is not limiting per se. You're not sort of keeping yourself from doing things unless that's what you want to do. You're deciding now what you're going to do down the down the road in, 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 the, in the weeks to come in that month. And so if you know at the beginning of the month that like, oh, it's, I'm going to want to do these other things because I can't 
I'm not going to behave <laughs> and I'm going to spend my money as soon as I get it. Well, it's good at the beginning of the month to, to sit down and think ahead a little bit. Really, all it is is just thinking ahead and making a plan. Yeah, I think most people think that a budget is about depriving yourself. So you spend as little money as possible and you allocate it to the right places. But really, when it comes down to it, you're living a water and gruel lifestyle to try to skimp by because that's what it takes. That's what budgeting is. It's it's that sort of a process. It's a it's a slog. Right, yeah. And I think that's probably where people get bogged down initially. I don't want to do a budget because it, it means it's going to restrict me in all these ways. Yeah, I want to be able to go out and eat. Right. Yeah, folks are like, well, I still want to go and get my nails done or whatever arguments there are against it. That's what keeps people... I think a lot of times, right? That's what keeps people... Totally. From, from doing it. But. And, and the, the trick is, I guess, that you you have to prioritize those things. And some of those things you will have to cut back if you want to meet other goals that you have. So you have to make decisions sometimes now in the short term that will impact your long term budget. And so it might take cutting back on certain things that you deem not as important mm -hmm. in the immediate in order to achieve that long term success. If you want to take a trip next year to Europe. You can start budgeting yeah, for man. that. Start now. saving now, absolutely. As yeah. opposed to the typical finance it sort of model is don't plan ahead. You do it when you want and then you end up paying for it after the fact. But what are you also paying for after the fact if you've financed it? You're paying for financing. You're paying interest. interest. Yeah, yeah, you're paying interest on it as opposed to saving at ahead of time. So it's it's almost like a reverse payment program. <laughs> yeah. Instead of paying a bank or a lender after the fact, you're you're just saving up and paying yourself ahead of time. I think one of the most difficult aspects of budgeting for me sometimes is I forget to make it personal. And I think that when it comes down to it, I'm better at budgeting when I truly make it personal to what I need. And sometimes oh, yeah. I guess we all do this. We begin to think, well, this is what everyone else is doing or this is this is what my budget should look like. But really, you have to make it personal. And if you want to drop $4,000 a year on travel, you can do that. Oh, yeah. But you just need to budget for it. Yeah, just put it on there. Every month that you're going to set aside however many, you know, 4000 divided about by 12 months. And now you know that like every month we need to set aside this much money towards that one trip at the end of the year or for the two trips that we have. If it's a priority for you, man, make it happen. It's just yeah. about making those decisions before they happen. That way you have time to prepare for it. So do you always budget? So like before, and well, specific to before you and Emily got married, did you budget when you, back when you were single? No, I didn't budget and I'll tell you why. Uh, and, and Emily and I've had a, a difficult time at times trying to figure out budgeting in our marriage because I do have a kind of this like mental roadblock aversion to budgeting. And part of it is, and I wrote an article actually a few years back on my personal blog about why I didn't budget. And I think it's okay for some people at different times in life to not have to budget, but not for most people, only for a few. <laughs> and the reason I think it worked for me is because I was so frugal. I was so into not spending money for quite a long period of time. And I liked seeing my balance grow every month. Mm -hmm. I just didn't really buy needless things. And, and lifestyle creep wasn't really a factor for me at that point in time. Yeah, you're, you're living so cheap that making a budget for you maybe wasn't the wisest use of your time because yeah. it's fine. You were, you were spending nothing on everything. Right. Anyway. <laughs> and I felt like I think at that point in time, I was probably like working more hours and so less time to spend. Right. And I was just really kind of focused on building something. I see the need for a budget in our lives more now than I have in quite some time. Yeah. And so well, this actually this next year, it's going to be a really big focus for us to actually kind of adopt a budget again mm -hmm. and try to, because we have a goal in mind mm -hmm. because actually, and here's the goal. We bought a rental property recently and we did take out a small portion of our home equity loan uh, in order to put the 25% down to right. get this rental property. And so we want to pay that off in, get, get that out, so in six to eight months. You. Yeah. We want to pay that off quickly. And gotta have a plan if you want to do that. Do that though. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so we were like, 
we're not terribly uncomfortable with it being there, but we'd rather get rid of it. And the only way for us to do that well, I think, is to budget for the first six to eight months, get back into it, pay it off quickly. And then, you know what? I think that, that, that we're just in a phase where we're going to be budgeting for a while. But then maybe at some point we'll be in another phase of life where we don't feel the strong need to budget and sit down every week or month mm-hmm. and do that. But we are in a phase in life where we're getting back into that and we're really excited to get back into it. Yeah. I think the biggest thing with that is, especially if you have a partner, especially if you have a wife, and this is where it came down for me and Emily, where budgeting actually really began to help us get on the same page about money, was that I was so frugal and she would feel bad if she spent money, even though like I didn't want her to feel bad. I didn't want her not to be free to make that decision to, to buy something, but because of my mindset and her knowing my mindset about money, she felt uncomfortable making that spend, buying that item of clothing mm-hmm. or going out to eat. It was always kind of, oh, well, should we go to the restaurant that's where we're only going to spend like 40 bucks or is it okay if we go to the restaurant where we're going to drop $75 right. tonight? And because it wasn't down on paper and it wasn't something that we discussed, it was this thing that we just didn't talk about and it was this unsaid like difficulty in yeah. our marriage. And so that's yeah. where budgeting for us really comes out. If it was just me, I could get by without a budget. Right. But because it involves my wife and feelings and how we process things together, it's really, really helpful for us to be on the same page. Yeah. For us, it was Kate didn't want to do it <laughs> at all. Like she, she saw it sort of like we talked about initially where it was this thing where we're going to be enslaved to the numbers and whatever, whatever the charts or whatever the numbers say that that's what you have to do. So after talking with her about it and learning what it really is, she saw basically the freedom in that. And so she saw that, okay, at the beginning of the month, we're both going to talk about this and we're going to decide together what we're going to spend on whatever it's going to be, say, you know, going out to eat. Well, then once you've decided what that number is, like we have to, I mean, and we, this is how we approached it was that we, we had to spend that money because we've decided that that's what we're going to do. And so there was no guilt at all associated with, say, going out to eat. It was a matter of, oh, that, you know, we decided that this is what we're going to do. So let's do it. Let's have fun. And once that sort of clicked for definitely for Kate, then we were able to, man, totally get on the same page. She saw it as a, as a, a tool that sort of got rid of that guilt. Yeah. Yeah. Do you let things roll over from month to month in your budget? Let's say you and Kate each have like a personal expense account and you each have a certain amount allotted into it where Matt can buy whatever he wants that month. That's 50 bucks or under, but let's say you're saving up for something that's 300 bucks. Do you roll that over? How does that work in your budget? Yeah. So we actually, we do, we do roll it over. So we don't have a monthly, we, we don't have a monthly amount where we're basically forcing ourselves to, to spend that. And if you don't, then it's just sort of gone. That kind of goes for us. I've, we've got this overly complicated budget because I'm a nerd, but where we each get a certain amount that we've decided that we're going to get every month. And, and if you spend it, then you spend it. But otherwise, for the most part, we're saving up in, the, in, those, in those buckets is another way to look at it. That we've, that's how we've talked about it before as well, that we're sort of letting the bucket grow because we know that, you know, in my case, oh, I'm going to get a bike <laughs> uh, and that's going to cost thousand, two thousand bucks. And I'm not going to be spending a whole lot of money on other, other, other things. All right. What if you so, buy that item early on in the year and so you're in negative in your personal account on mm-hmm. the budget? How do yeah, you well, reconcile that? So it's, it's just sits there as a, as a negative that we try not to let that happen, but when it does, it sits there as a, as a negative and then it slowly ticks back up as the, as the months progress. And yeah, in general, we try not to dip down into the red. It's a general good rule of budgeting. Yeah, yeah. Good rule of thumb. Don't get in the red. I mean, that's one of the reasons why, right? It's just, if you're on the same page with your spouse, it helps to work as a team. When you can work as a team, you're just going to be able to get so much more done having that accountability to your significant other. And even if it's not a spouse or I think having a friend or somebody that you can sort of talk to and about your goals, I think that's really helpful as well. I, I, don't, I don't think there's very many people at all that do that. But the reason I say that is because this is something that not just couples can do, but yeah. somebody that's not in a relationship as well. Well, it's interesting. I feel like a lot of people actually have found kind of some therapy in starting like a blog to document how they're doing with budgeting. And yeah, so I've seen I, those. Yeah, actually a lot of uh, successful 
online entrepreneurs started off as budget bloggers talking about getting out of debt and how they kind of pulled themselves up out of their out of their debt hole and now they're budget masters. And so those people are always interesting to read and there's just a lot of people like that. So maybe for you, maybe it's not even public, but maybe it's just journaling about it, mm-hmm. but writing it down and keeping track of your progress. Yeah, and having some sort of visual record of what you're working towards and what you've what you've done. I mean, I th- for me, so I started making my budgets back in 10 years ago, right at 10 years ago now. What's kind of crazy is that I can look back and see what I was saving towards back then, see, see how much I was spending. It was significantly less than <laughs> what we spend now as a family of five. Yeah. But it's actually, I mean, it's, it's really cool, I think, to be able to, it's sort of a, a time machine in a, in a sense, you know, to, get, yeah. to kind of be able to go back and look and say, oh, this is, we thought this was such a huge deal. <laughs> it was not. Or we saw, you know, this came up and this kind of wrecked us for a couple months there. But in reality, we saw how it kind of ended up being okay. And we kind of stuck to the plan. And because of that, we're where we are today. So, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about how just in general. So we're, I mean, we're talking about why you need a budget, right? So as a tool, what a budget does essentially is takes this plan that you want to have, right? In regards to your finances and your money. And it takes it and it links your plan that you have in your head to your behavior and how you actually live throughout the month. Cause you can, we can think that we want to do something all day long, but if we don't really have a plan for it or have it written down, we're just going to do what we're going to do. Our friends right. are going to go out and, Oh, this is coming up or, Oh man, this show is in town. Oh man, there's so much fun stuff I want to do <laughs> and things I want to buy and you misbehave. And then you're, you look at back at the end of the month and you think, Oh man, gosh, where did, where did all my money go? The budget is there to keep you in line and it's yourself keeping yourself in line. It's not like it's somebody else. You get to do this to yourself. <laughs> it's like your, your, your past self telling your future self how you're going to behave and sticking to it. So Joel, are you a nat- like, are you naturally a spender or a saver? I mean, so, you, and I asked this because earlier this morning we were having a conversation and you were taking some Enneagram Enneagram. Enneagram or something. Yeah. And you're talking about how, oh man, maybe I'm not actually a sort of a minimalist saver, kind of frugal type. Right. Do you think you're naturally a, a spender or a saver? So I think deep down at my core, I'm probably a little bit of a spender. Mm-hmm. But I think some of the circumstances that happened in my life and in childhood have driven me to be frugal, to be a saver, to desire... Uh, security in that way. I don't think I'm naturally this minimalist frugal guy, but that is part of me and it's ingrained in me at this point because it's something that I've learned over years and years and years. Yeah. It's kind of living that way. Yeah. It's kind of shaped you to to kind of be who you are today. Yeah. Yeah. But you, I got an, I got to imagine that you are to the core of that. Man, I, it's tough because there's things that come along and I think, Oh, I need this or, Oh, I really want this for, for me. I want this for our family. These are, these are now priorities. And a lot of times those things involve a lot of money. (laughs) And so therefore we're spending, we're spending money, but kind of left to my own, sort of my own devices. And if it was just me, if I was just a single dude, I would be a sad single dude living by myself, not spending any money without a life. And nobody would want to be my friend. <laughs> Dude, I'm serious. Uh, having Kate to kind of balance me, uh, balance me out in that, in that sense has been very good for, for who I am. But I do. So because of that, yes, I, at, at my core, I do think I'm a saver. I'm a organized saver and uh, the budget helps me get there. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. 
Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Cachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Cachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Cachava. Just go to Cachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money i'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans we always like to get the families together matt for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer we've already got that trip to saint simon's on the calendar pumped for that but sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house. Or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch. They make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, well, let me give you my quick breakdown, my approach to budgeting, how when I do it, how I've done it, how Emily and I have done it together. Yeah, because you're more of a, a free spirit when it comes to numbers. Yeah. And you mentioned going with, your, going with your gut. Yep. You think that's how you approach it? Uh yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so I'll say uh, but when we are, and Emily, it, just like Kate is for you, Emily's a great balance for me. And she really helps me stick to a budget, look at the numbers, think through, especially if we're on a mission, on a goal, and then how to kind of feel free inside of that. And so with the way we approach it, there's a bunch of different apps, as we've said, a bunch of different websites, a bunch of different formulas that people use. I use Mint. Uh, the Mint app, Mint.com. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's the most widely used budgeting tool. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we tried it for a while there to see if it would work for us. Yeah, I think for us, we use Mint specifically as a way to just track all of our expenses. So we use credit cards and checks for pretty much everything and mm -hmm. like almost no checks anymore. It's pretty much all credit cards, right? Yeah, this man, get those, get those points, get that cash yeah, back. Yeah, exactly. And so, but that can be a, a problem for people who... Because uh, a credit card doesn't register the same mentally when you make a transaction as actually taking cash out of your pocket and handing it to somebody. Right. So that's, again, if you're going to be using plastic, the budgeting really can kick in. If you're not super frugal, it's really important because you could find yourself spending a lot more freely uh, using plastic as opposed yeah. to cash. I totally believe that as, yeah. as far as like the emotional impact. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you just swipe it and... 
forget. I don't even have to swipe it anymore. You just hand it over and, and like or online make it an barista online. That swipes it for me. How easy <laughs> is it to make an online purchase now? Or like Amazon one click or whatever. There's yeah. all these kind of things that make it so easy. And then two days later, the thing shows up at your doorstep and you forget you just spent twenty eight dollars on it. You forget that you even ordered it sometimes. But I feel like that's a tendency for people, right? Especially in today's day and age with easy online ordering. That's just kind of goes hand in hand with it. All right, so I use Mint and we basically filter all of our credit cards in there and so use it sort of as a tracking exactly and so in an instant i can get a snapshot of kind of where we're at for the month you know up or down it's Mm -hmm. got the cash balance versus the credit card how much we owe on the credit cards right then obviously we don't carry credit card balance but it just gives me a snapshot kind of where things are at and then on top of that we can at the end of every month go through all those transactions Mint doesn't do a great job of categorizing it. Yeah, I was going to say that was one of the things I remember being annoyed with having yeah. to manually say, no, this actually needs to go here now where like yes. the very next time there's a purchase there, it needs to go to this other category. It kind of bounces back and forth. Yep. And so that, that can be a tough one. Okay. Uh, we That's why we kind of actually go manually through all the transactions right. and then enter it into Google Sheets. And we kind of sit down and then we're like, okay, well, did you, what'd you buy here for this amount? Because we don't always tell each other before we right. buy something that's 10 or 20 bucks. Yeah. So then we can kind of say, okay, you're at 80 bucks for this month and we're at this much for groceries. And so we try to sit down once or twice a month, go through it. Uh, so we're on the same page and kind of see where we're at. Mm-hmm. And that's the easiest, simplest way we found. There's all these other, I've heard so many people rave about, you need a budget. Uh, it's also called YNAB for short. So there's a lot of people that rave about that budgeting app and website. We've just found that Mint for us, it's simple. We've already kind of got everything flowing into there. And then we just use Google Sheets to kind of track and see where we're at for the month and then overall and how we're progressing that year so on then, our budgets. Okay. So then on the Google Sheet, is that where you set your how much you're you're wanting to spend in different cat- categories? So say with yeah. groceries, you, okay. So at the beginning of the month, you've already, you already had that set. Yep. Okay. So we know, yeah, we're going to drop $475 a month on groceries and we're going to do 150 on entertainment, which includes our date nights right? Uh, every month. Or, you know, this is how much our mortgage is, obviously, the set, things like that. And so that's kind of how we use it. And then we've, all right, at the end of the month, we've we've got 50 bucks left for going out or we've got five bucks. And so we stay in and mm-hmm. make dinner. Gotcha. All right. So what about you? What's your approach? So, okay. So I, yeah, we, we take the more nerdy, uh, all 100% numbers approach. So basically since the beginning, when I first created my first budget, I've always created a zero sum budget. So meaning that at the beginning of the month, I set the, my projected income, list out all my expenses and literally at the end of the month, it should be zero. So your income minus your expenses equals zero. And within those expenses includes goals, right? So it's like saving for that vacation or that trip. In addition to investment savings and retirement and things like that, I've got those within my, ex- I, call it, I call it an expense, but it's just a way for me to say that my goal is this month to say, you know, to put aside $800 towards my Roth IRA. So those numbers are also included in, in the expenses. So my goal is that at the end of the month, there, there's not a single penny I mean, literally, there's not a single penny that is unaccounted for because I've essentially spent it already at the beginning of the month with the, you know, with the goals that Kate and I have set uh, in mind. And then we, you know, we move numbers around month to month if we're like, well, this is going to be a month where we're going to focus on this maybe a little bit more or say, oh, actually, we're going to need to ramp up our, our savings towards vacation because we didn't take into account the beach was going to be more expensive or something like that. I don't know. That's the general approach uh, for me. And so, and the tools I use then for that Excel, I mean, just a basic Excel, you know, multiple, I got two or three spreadsheets. And do you just pour over all your statements in order to yeah, pull so that all into about, Excel? About once a week, if I'm, all, if I'm diligent and, and on top of it, once a week, I just export stuff and just plug it into, plug it into our spreadsheets. And then I do manually move them. How and long is it, that process? Uh, when I do it once a week, maybe like 30 minutes. Okay. It takes me about 30 minutes to look over those numbers, plug those into the, the proper categories. And then, Kate, I mean, we don't even have meetings anymore. I just, I, I send Kate t- a text. I'll, I'll say, you know, budget update, <laughs> dash, dash, dash. And then I say, grocery, $132 under. 
entertainment, $150 under uh, gas, you know, $40 under things like that. And that's basically what kind of helps dictate and point us in the right direction for the rest of the month. All right. But let's say this. So let's say particularly like on a line item like gas, Mm -hmm. you're doing a zero sum budget, but if every money should be at the end of the month directed somewhere, what happens if you've budgeted 70 for gas and you only spent 35 or vice versa, you are not a road trip and you spent more, right? How do you handle that in the budget and where does that money go? Yeah. So what does it look like? So in the first example, if there's additional money left over, that's just money that we then it's just additional money that's going to go into whatever we decide it's going to go into. So typically it's, the following month or that same month? No, that same month. Yeah. Okay. And so in say that specific month, we had planned to set aside $800 to go to a Roth IRA. Then if we're 40 bucks under in gas, well, instead of 800, it's 840 that month. And so we just kind of make some changes on the fly. Mm-hmm. And obviously sometimes you just have to drive somewhere. Right. And so sometimes we do go over, but like you mentioned the road trip, well, that kind of comes out of vacation. And so that's something we've already planned for. We know that, okay, this is going to include all of our expenses for that trip. And so that's, that's how we, you know, reconcile it in that, in that case. All right. So here's another interesting question. And and there's probably a lot of people listening that are in the same position as Matt is. I am a regular 40 hour week employee somewhere with a paycheck that I can count on that looks pretty much the exact same every two weeks. Mm -hmm. But you, sir, uh, have vastly different incomes from month to month. So what do you, how do you budget when you make 10,000 in one month and 2,000 in the next? Yeah. So that's when margin comes into play. So sort of like you mentioned, you're asking about the sort of personal categories with like, oh, okay, so do you roll over? You know, like if you don't spend all of your, all of your map money for the month. And so the, my answer to that was yes. Same thing kind of goes. So we have, I mean, basically we kind of roll it into what we call our emergency fund, but we have a more loose sort of liberal emergency fund. And what that acts as is our margin. So in the months where we do have that additional income, right? So say like the $10,000 a month, that additional money, we know that that's a fat month. (laughs) It's not like we're like, oh man, this is our life now. (laughs) Let's get used to spending it all. We know that we have to set aside some like a good chunk of that for some of the leaner months. And so when that happens, we basically stockpile our emergency fund a little bit, knowing that there's going to be some leaner months ahead. And that way, when those months do inevitably come along, we're able to kind of dip into that and it all, it all balances out. It would be nice to have a consistent income because it would absolutely make budgeting easier. But for us, I mean, yeah, we've, I've been doing this for, for so long now with 10 years. Honestly, I don't even really think about it. So here's a, it's something that's always kind of been hard for me when it comes to budgeting because mm-hmm. I'm good at like saving up money, not spending, not spending a ton and always saving every month and not spending more than we make. What happens when, and, and, and some I touched on earlier, make your budget personal. For me, we try to allocate money to the things that we love. And there's a few things that we have set aside. Like for instance, I, I have three things that I'm okay spending more money on than probably most people do. And those three things are craft beer. Obviously we're drinking a good one now. Uh, folk art. I love folk art. And so I buy a piece every year, sometimes two, we, Emily and I just share a love for folk art and travel. We travel um, usually one domestic and one international every year. Mm-hmm. We try to allocate money for those things. But if there's a deal on something, I I have this kind of thorn in my side that I have to, <laughs> I almost have to pull the trigger. And so let's say there's a great deal on a trip somewhere where tickets to Barcelona, Spain are normally $1,100 and there's a round trip ticket for $450. Right. I just have a built up savings. Can I pull the trigger on it? That's, uh, that's the thing. I guess it's, it's like a different way of like brain compartmentalization. Yeah. And my brain isn't saying I budgeted it out over 12 months. It's saying I put all the excess in the savings account and I'm spending out of there. Right. That's kind of the way my brain thinks about it. Yeah. So, I mean, so yes, we try to take advantage of the deal. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. We're not so rigid that when we see a fantastic deal or an opportunity come along that we're like, nope, we only, we're still working towards that, you know? So again, like you mentioned, well, what if there's a big purchase? And I mentioned how, when I, when I got my, like a recent bike that I purchased, it took me into the red and, but that, so that's still like something I'm still slowly kind of building, you know, rebuilding and getting back up to zero and then 
beyond that, trying to start saving again to be able to yeah. get something else I want. So when we see a deal on a flight, even though we necessarily may not have all of that money saved up for that vacation. It's not in the vacation fund specifically. It's not in that category. Exactly. Again, we have enough margin in our, you know, in our emergency fund that we're able that we've stockpiled because we know that we've, we do that in the, you know, the, in the fatter months, we're able to kind of dip into that. So it's not like we're overdrafting our account or anything. We're sort of overdrafting that little category. Yeah. And, 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 and that category is sort of hurting there for a couple of months until we're able to kind of rebuild it. But we're never overdrafting. We're never, it's not like our bank, our account balance is ever zero or we're honestly even close to that because we, we like to maintain a, a cushion. Yeah. No, I think that's a great way to put it. Never go into credit card debt for lifestyle. Oh, no way. Never over debit your account for lifestyle. If this is a decision and you have the savings built up to make that choice and pounce on the deal, I think it's okay in moderation with the knowledge that you immediately want to start building that back up. Right. When you get back from your yep. trip or whatever it is, if it's the bike that you bought or the trip you went on, immediately you start working towards mm-hmm. building that cushion back up. But if you have that cushion, I think you need to be able to give yourself a little bit of freedom. I think probably a really important caveat for people to hear in that is if you're going to do that, make sure it is for one of those personal categories for which you put major importance. Uh, I think, for instance, let's say, you know, we, we just recently got done with uh, the Christmas shopping season, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, blah, 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 blah. And people like bought a bunch of shit they didn't need because it was a deal. Mm-hmm. That is where you get yourself into trouble. Is You, you just bought an Amazon Kindle and a fire stick and a blah, 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 blah. All these right. things that you had not budgeted for, didn't think you needed until the deal popped up. And if you're super into electronics and that's one of your line, like that's one of your calling cards. Hey, that's what I'm super into. That's personal for me. That's, that's a line item in my budget. It's okay to make that purchase within reason. Even if you go over for us, it's travel, right? That's what we're talking about our bikes. But if that's your thing, that's okay. You, you need to re- want to replenish it quickly, but don't do it for something that's not one of those main categories, those main things that drives you. Oh, yeah. Because that's what leads to the hangover and to the ruination of your budget, I feel like. Yeah. If you're pouncing on deals from all these other categories that you don't really care about in the end. And what you're describing, too, basically is how we approach money in general. Like, we're not so by the numbers that we're just trying to be rich. Like, that's not our goal is to amass tons of money. One of our goals is to sort of live a, a moderate life where we're spending money, you know, some money now we're trying to save obviously for, for the long term, so that we have money down the road to, to either become financially independent on or to retire or buy a yacht. <laughs> Is that your thing? You're going to be, you're, you're going to be the yacht guy. Could be someday, but couldn't you see me with one of those little sailor hats or whatever? <laughs> if somebody else was driving the yacht, maybe sure. <laughs> when it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000 plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, 
be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to kachava.com slash how to money. That's spelled K-A-C-H-A-V-A and get 10% off your first order. That's K-A-C-H-A-V-A dot com slash how to money. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. We're trying to find ways to focus on the things that matter to us now and to also plan ahead so that we're not broke down the road. Totally agree we're, with that. Yeah, we're, we're not so extreme that we're just only saving now and not spending a single dime. That's where I was maybe 10 years ago. <laughs> and we're not also obviously not advocating a lifestyle where there's just excessive consumption where you're just making these silly purchases that aren't going to mean anything to you. And, and even like the, a couple of days later, like you said, where you kind of have the, ha- the purchase hangover and you're just thinking, man, why did I do that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think if you find yourself continually going over like that, making purchases that then you later regret, there's a couple things that you can do to kind of change your mindset. You can change some of your habits, some of the ways that you shop online, some of the ways that you shop in stores. And even if you buy something, you can give yourself like a 48-hour period or something to decide without taking the tags off and tossing the receipt whether you really want to keep it. There's a couple things you can do in your life to prevent yourself from maybe you made the mistake in the heat of the moment, but then you can go return the item if you decide that it doesn't fit your budget and it doesn't fit your lifestyle. So, you know, you mentioned how you guys essentially you, you kind of track all of your spending via Mint and then you kind of plug that into Sheets uh, on the Google Sheets. So, I mean, how do you actually go about creating your dollar amounts for your different categories like within your budget? Yeah. Well, so the, obviously there are certain items that are fixed. Like your yeah mortgage, mortgage right? Yeah. Right. So insurance, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then the other ones basically started off by looking at previous months. Oh, hey, how much did we spend on groceries last month? Was mm-hmm. it do, do we feel like that's normal? Hey, how much did we spend on entertainment? Oh, hey, well, we want to do more in this. Can we cut down on that a little bit, be a little more focused on our entertainment spending so that we can add a little more towards the paying off debt bucket or whatever? And like I said, we, we don't really have, we just have mortgage debt, that's it, except for this small home equity, and that's what we're going after. Oh, and a, a little bit of Emily's student loan. So those are the two things that we want, oh, yeah. to, we want to tackle this year. She's got just oh, man. Knock it out. like five or six grand left. Oh, it's it, nothing, right? Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's not very much. <laughs> Get and after it. Super low interest rate, so it's not like we're terribly concerned, but we're, we're kind of like, let's do this. Like, 2018 is going to be the year of just, just like kicking all this out. a bunch of that. Yeah, it's yeah. going to feel so good. 
Yeah, so it, it's it's usually it's based on previous months and on then okay, can we pinch a little more there so we can breathe a little more here? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it priorities shift a little bit or I recently shopped our insurance, so that dropped a little bit. So we can decide to put a little bit more in this bucket if we want, yeah, or save a little more. Yeah. So it, it's kind of it's kind of that combo of history versus where we desire money yeah, to go your in the goals, future. Kind of moving forward, yeah, yeah. And and I think that so that's I think that's true as well for anybody that doesn't have a budget. And so you're taught you're saying based on previous months, if you've never even done a budget ever. That's I think that's exactly how you need to start as well. I mean, maybe that's what you're saying, right? But yeah, that's how we initially okay, came, yeah. came up with the numbers. Exactly. Yeah. So instead of like you can think through that, like, oh, this is what I want to spend, or this is what I think I'll spend this month on groceries or entertainment, things like that. Like some of the more variable expenses, right? The things that you that are kind of more dependent on your behavior. Like it's so much more effective to look at what you've actually done because you can think all day long that this is what I would like it to say. <laughs> yeah. But what's more effective and just honestly easier is just to look at what you've done. Like let's look at your past. Let's look at your patterns. And then you can kind of base your numbers around that. And obviously, hopefully from your first one there, you're, once you have your income and then you've got your previous month's expenses, hopefully you're not spending more than you're actually making because then there's going to be some serious changes <laughs> yeah. that, that need to happen. But step one, just do it, you know, make it happen. Like there's never going to be a perfect month because every month is going to be different. Like there's always going to be something that comes up that you're going to think, Oh, but this isn't something that I'm going to have to deal with all the time. Well, there's always going to be something. So just start, you know, start moving forward, put the numbers down, start tracking those expenses and then and checking in with it as well. Yeah. For us, it doesn't do us very, very much good if we are, if we wait till the very end of the month before we look at where we've done. It's it's more of a sort of oh, how did we do this month, <laughs> as opposed to how are we doing? How can we modify our behavior to make sure that we're we're sticking sticking to our goals and staying on track to what we want to do? Yeah. So there's there's two things I want to say to that. One, I think it's probably like you said, it's really important to do a check-in maybe i mean every week would be ideal but most yeah, people honestly we don't i feel like we kind of do it every 10 days yeah like well, let's reality. say you do it every two weeks right like middle of the month end of the month that's that's probably a great way to do it that way if you're by yourself or with somebody else you guys can update each other or you can just be updated about your individual budget but being able to look at it twice a month probably the most helpful way to do it and it's better than looking at it you know, zero times a month. That's for sure. Right. 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 <laughs> like anything that anybody does is going to be better if it's something that you haven't done before. Yeah. Right. So just as long as you're moving in the right direction, man, I'm happy. And it'll probably take you longer at the very beginning to. Every oh, time, yeah. You know, and but but now that you're kind of budget master, you know, 30 minutes every 10 days, that's not that bad. Yeah. But it might take you longer. I mean, you might need to set aside one night of the week or one night every other week where you're like, I'm not watching Netflix. I'm not doing anything. I'm, I'm checking my budget out. Yeah. And one of the it's other things, part of being an, an adult, right? Right. <laughs> just not watching TV and instead doing the things that you don't really want to do. That's I know. <laughs> it's a bummer, but you, someone's got to do it. Yeah. It's the kind of adult stuff that sucks. But yeah. Honestly, I say it sucks, but in reality, I kind of, when I sit down and put on some music and start plugging in some numbers and seeing where we're at. I know you love it. Oh man, that's, that's <laughs> put on some slow jams and uh, <laughs> start, start getting in with the numbers there. And one other thing I want to say too, I think it's really helpful to have kind of like a big goal in mind with your budget. And depending on what phase you're in, where you're at in your life and where you're at with your debt levels, it could be something different. But for Emily and I, this next year, like I said, we want to kill that home equity line, it's not that big even, but, and then we want to kill the rest of our student loans. And if we can do those two things in 2018, how good are we going to feel at the end of it? And so wherever you're at, whether it's eliminating student loans or another debt in your life, or whether, you know what, you're doing pretty good with debt and you just want to, you want to be able to take an awesome vacation to Europe, or you want to save it for that new bike, whatever it is, if you can have a big goal like and overarching yeah. plan. Yeah. They can help keep you focused. And no matter where you're at, you can come up with that big goal this year. Hey, I'm going to set this goal for myself for 2018. And 
that's going to help me stay focused throughout the year mm -hmm. without, that's, that's without sort of the, that it's hard to stay focused. Absolutely. Yeah. That's sort of the, why am I doing this? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like the budget is there as sort of a tool, like, right. It's, it's like a month to month. This is like boots on the ground, like getting kind of down and dirty with it. But it's easy to kind of get lost into why am I even doing this? Like, just right. Let me just do what I want to do. But then if you're able to step back and sort of look at it for maybe, you know, maybe for a lot of, a lot of folks, yeah, it, it's the year. Like, what do I want to accomplish this year? And having goals like that, then you can say, oh, well, this is why I'm doing this. Because I know that if I set aside a thousand bucks every month, well, shoot, I can do a lot with 12 grand by the end of the year. Like right. think of the stuff I could either pay off or think of the, you know, how much more I can put towards retirement or, you know, investment or in, in a, another rental property, like you mentioned earlier. That's the kind of stuff that, when you get to the end of the year, you're stoked about because you know that you've set these every month, you've set these goals with, you know, within your budget to achieve. Yeah. And it might not be the sexiest goal. Somebody's goal might be a freaking trip to the Galapagos Islands and swimming with turtles. Yeah. That's, that's nice. And that's cool. <laughs> but yours might just be to have an emergency fund because you don't have one yet. Yeah. Having some more margin in your life that allows yeah. you to take advantage of say some of these deals that pop up or, or just to not be stressed, you know, to, yeah. to know that you're not living paycheck to paycheck. I think for a, a ton of people would feel amazing. I know it would feel amazing yeah. for, I mean, I've talked with folks and I know that having that sort of hanging over them where they know that if they don't get paid, they, they don't get their next check. All of a sudden they're upside down on stuff and, and in a world of hurt, you can't make unrealistic, crazy budgets and you can't make changes from month to month that are huge. Like you just need to make these, you know, these slight tweaks and these slight changes to where, you know, that if your goal is to say, save more and you kind of want to tighten the belt a little bit on some other categories, well make, make sure you make small changes First of all, once you base your budget on your previous month's expenses, like that should be pretty dang realistic. And from there, I think you should most definitely be able to make slight, you know, these, these small changes and tweaks to, to bring about the changes and goals that you're trying, trying to achieve. There might be some really big changes that you haven't considered. Maybe you think that this line item in your budget, for maybe you haven't shopped your insurance in a while. I think there's, there might be some big moves that you can make in that budget that you just haven't considered to help you make the other line items. And again, look up, make it personal. Look back to your goals. What's your, what are your goals? If you don't care about driving a fancy car, sell your 2012 vehicle, ride in a 2002 vehicle and save a bunch of money on insurance and on taxes and start changing some of those things, some of those bigger things, bigger picture things that are actually taking a big chunk out of your monthly budget. And that can help you get your budget in line, I think, if you find yourself butting up against it or, or going over it every month. Because it's not worth the stress of not being able to meet your budget mm. because you own things that are too expensive or aren't worth it to you that just don't provide the value. Look at some of those things maybe in your life that are a big outgoing item that doesn't meet your value. Maybe you're paying too much in rent because you two people living in a 1,800 square foot house. Maybe you can downsize, live in an 800 square foot house, save yourself $600 a month. Your budget becomes a whole lot easier to meet. There's tons of different tactics, right? And t like ways to get creative about either bringing in more money or cutting your expenses. But if you don't have a budget to know what you're spending on things, you've got no clue to what, what, what even to make changes on. And so to me, that's the biggest value that a budget brings about is that it, it's the information. I think it's one of the things that you're sitting down. It should reflect those primary values. And if it doesn't, that's when you start making changes and you start cutting things, you start shopping things around, you yeah. start making different buying decisions and you reprioritize because yeah, you can absolutely. take that trip next year if you really want to, if that's something you care about, if you budget for it yeah. and you can do it. Yeah. Folks say that like, <laughs> there's so many things in life where folks are like, Oh, I can't afford that. Well, it's like, well, you could afford that right. if you if that was something you valued. Right. So for instance, a trip or travel or other or saving for the future, saving for retirement. These are things that you could afford to do, but maybe instead you value something else. You value, you know, hanging out with your friends and going out. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But it's a, it's just kind of being honest with yourself 
and paying attention to what you're actually doing with your money. Right. Yeah. My friend Paula has a podcast called afford anything and she says you can afford anything, but not everything. Mm -hmm. And one of the things she talked about was she went on a three month trip, I think to Indonesia or something like that. And everyone was like, how, how can you afford to do that? That's crazy. And I think it, I don't remember how much it cost her, but it was five or $6,000 or something like that for three months in Indonesia. And she's like, why does no one question when Joe at your work buys a $26,000 Hyundai, but everyone thinks I'm ridiculous for taking three months and dropping six grand to go to Indonesia. And I think that's exactly, Mm -hmm. that's exactly correct. And so many people, they think it's insane and that nobody can do that. Nobody can afford that. It's because you don't prioritize it. It's because you don't, because you prioritize a 2016 Hyundai Mm -hmm. when really does it align with your values and it's okay if it does but does it align with your values constantly be questioning that and I think that'll help make the budget process having that end goal in mind and wanting your budget to reflect your values will help make it personal and help make it something that you can actually stick to and not feel like deprivation yeah absolutely all right Matt let's talk about the beer so obviously the podcast is poor not poor we poured a beer earlier it was avery brewing company tweak a uh stout with coffee aged bourbon barrels it's 16 percent, so we might be feeling it a slight amount at the end of this podcast what's your take on the beer very delicious incredibly well balanced it's a little bit sweeter which i like yeah it is sweet I kinda, but a good sweet, not like a fake sweet. It's got this real no, nice like bourbon sweetness. Yeah, it's like real, tastes like real coffee with like a little bit of, I don't want to say maple. It's not like maple syrup, but there's definitely like a sweet oakness to it. Totally. And it's just, yeah. It goes down really smooth for 16%. Yeah, so I picked this up when I was in South Carolina. When I was in Greenville. I was at, at the local store there and I saw it on the shelf. Because you I, can't get the stuff here, man. Yeah, yeah you can't get, it, can't get it in Georgia. And next time I'm up there, I'm going to pick up a few more of those that's for sure so yeah i would recommend picking up if you see these in your local package store pick up an avery tweak it's a fantastic beer still one of your one of your favorite stouts ever do you think i think it's up there i think it's probably a touch sweet for my favorite i prefer just a little more like dark chocolate and uh some more bitter notes maybe some more bitter notes going on but it's really good and the coffee really balances it out and gives it a little bit of that bitterness I'm a, I'm a huge fan. And yeah, it's, it's pretty light on the coffee, huh? Yeah, it could it could. I, th- I feel like maybe in years past there's been more. Yeah, and, I and that, really thought about that, but I think so. So I think twe- tweaks a beer they make every year, and it changes every year, and so maybe this year not it's quite like as a, much coffee. It's like a little chewier, you know, a little yeah. sweeter. It's like a like a like a caramel cube or something in my mouth. And that's totally how you know someone's a beer nerd, by the way, too, if they start comparing Gosh. a beer to the beer of years <laughs> past. So we we definitely hit that. We're complete beer nerds. All right, so that beer was fantastic. Let's wrap up on budgeting, Matt. Mm-hmm. What are the main takeaways for people if they just want it? Budgets in 30 seconds. Well, and for the first thing, budgets are just a tool. They're not some sort of weird cult that you're going to join. All it is is you saying that this is what we're going to spend this month and deciding that before you actually spend the money. It's having a plan. That's step one. And you know what? We have a plan in almost everything in life. Don't be afraid. Plans aren't bad. Yeah. Budgets are scary. Call it your money plan. Okay? Yeah. Maybe yeah, that's so easier. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no budgets. Instead, we're going to have a plan for our money. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a budget. And use the approach that's most, most comfortable to you. Test out a couple. Don't be bound by the medium. And sometimes maybe it's just paper and pencil. You right. Know? Like, I mean, if, if, if you want to go that straightforward and not be distracted by some of the other aspects of the applications that are out there, man, just a pad and paper is, is, is all you need. Like you don't need all these other tools to, to make it work, but essentially start with your income, list out your expenses and your, your goals and what you want to spend on different categories for that month and then track it. Yeah. Track it. And then if you see yourself starting to get, get too high and say groceries, well, maybe not get the organic avocado. Uh, instead you could, (laughs) You know, dive towards the peanut butter and jelly or something. I don't know. Yeah. Like whatever it takes for you to 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 keep your groceries. If you gotta eat down. ramen and PB and J for the last four days of the month to meet yeah, your budget, do nothing it. wrong with that. You know? And uh, always have that big goal in mind because I think that that so much helps the motivation and the stick stick to itiveness of a budget. If you can keep that big goal in mind in front of your face all the time, this is what I'm aiming for, and it's something that really matters to you, that helps the budget stick. 
and helps it not to feel quite as much like a drain. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Our home on the web is howtomoney.com. Check it out. We'll have our show notes up there for you. Yeah. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to your podcast. We'd really appreciate it. All right, buddy. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.